Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating. Her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. You're an expert in your product or service, a skilled presenter, a likable person, and you work hard. So why is it still so difficult to hit your quota, make your numbers, and drive cash into your business? Surprise! You may be working too hard to make the sale. My guest today, Nikki Rausch, founder of Sales Maven, has combined her relationship selling skills with neurolinguistic programming, NLP, training. Today, she takes her 20 years of sales experience combined with over 1,200 hours of NLP training and puts together programs and trainings that are easy for business owners to implement. Sometimes the slightest tweak to the words you use, how you say it, and what you do with your body language can make the difference between earning someone's business and convincing them to buy elsewhere. Well, welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here with you and your audience today. Awesome. Well, we met through eWomen Network. You came down and did a great presentation for us, and I actually won your program that I've been, as I told you, sharing with some of my staff, and it's always great to get a a new lesson in sales training, so I appreciate that. But let's just start with... NLP, because there might be a lot of people that are not familiar with neurolinguistic programming. So tell us why this has been such a huge influence in your life. Okay, that's a great so NLP, neurolinguistic programming, how I originally um, found my way to it is somebody who was a longtime mentor, one of my closest friends, had studied it. And I remember she, she would comment from time to time on things I would do from a body language standpoint. I got really curious about how was she picking up these cues and what was my body saying that she was getting this information. And so from getting curious, I found an instructor and started studying it many, many years ago. And I originally went to study NLP because I thought, well, this will really help me in sales. It's all about communication. It's about the way people think and the way that um, people show up. What are their habits? What are their patterns? And so what happened is I started studying NLP, and it definitely helped me in my sales career. And I found that it was improving all the other relationships in my life because I was more attuned. I could pay closer attention, and I was picking up subtle cues from people, and I was able to add flexibility to my own behavior just to strengthen the relationship. Right. So it's helped me in every way. Yeah, I studied it many years ago as well, not to the extent that you have, but certainly as someone who I've been in sales my whole life, but over the last um, two decades, the bulk of the sales are over the telephone. And so one of the things that, you know, you can share about NLP is it doesn't just have to be me face-to-face with someone to be able to pick up cues. How do I, as a salesperson who's really exclusively on the telephone, able to use it in my sales profession? Absolutely. 
you know, the great thing about NLP is it has a lot to do with language and not just, not just what you say, but your voice quality as well. And so being able to pick up what people are doing with their voice, how they phrase things, what particular words they choose, all of those things are cues where somebody is saying, this is how to relate to me. This is how to sell to me. This is how to um, be in communication with me. This is what I'm interested in. And a lot of times they don't even necessarily know they're giving that away, but you'll hear it in their voice and you'll be able to pick up, again, key criteria words from people, the things that they do with their voice. So you, you start to see where are the places that are really important to them. And then from there, of course, everybody wants to work with people that they know, like, and trust. And when you can come across credible and relationship, people are much more interested in talking to you and also hearing what you have to say. Right. Well, it's always interesting because I deal with people all over the country. So certainly the conversation that I have with someone in New York is completely different when I'm talking to someone in Mississippi. So (laughs) part of understanding the pace, how quickly they're asking questions, bottom liners versus we need to build, like you say, a little bit of relationship prior to. So I know when I'm dealing with people that are in a much slower paced environment that we've got to do a little, you know, breaking of the bread, I, I'll say first to, you know, how's the weather, you know, things like that. Where someone in New York, don't ask me that question. Right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, you can even pick that up sometimes in the way that people communicate via email. So not just on the phone, but when you have somebody who is super direct in email, they're not somebody who's going to want you to talk about your weekend or ask them questions about what, you know, what they've got going on or about their family versus somebody else who will send you an email or, again, in a phone conversation that may do that same thing. They'll, they'll start it out by, you know, telling you a story. And if you just come back with a very direct answer, they may take that as, wow, this person is so different than me, or they're too sharp, or they're too direct for me. So I love that you know that you pay attention to that on the phone, and you can even do it via email. Part of being great in sales is being a good listener. And so yes. as, as I have always told you know, my staff, your customer, they'll tell you everything you need to know right? From what you're doing well, what you're not doing well, but more important is just how do they want to be communicated with? So, you know, really on this, this, this um, topic of NLP, which I have always found absolutely fascinating, you know, let's, let's take that now into not just telephone or email, but one-on-one. And of course, you know, there's all the typical stuff is somebody, you know, crossing their arms or things like that. But it's not that simple. It's it's really way more than just, you know, if they look like that, that's their their um, mood right now or they're not paying attention. That's not always correct. So let's clear some of that up. Well, one of the big ones I think that is commonly misunderstood is arms crossed because a lot of times people go, oh, their arms are crossed, they're shutting down, they're tuning me out, they're no longer interested. And what you have to pay attention to is there's so much else, you know, here's one of the things I teach my clients is ask yourself, what else could this mean? Could it be that they're cold? 
Could it be that they've got back issues and crossing their arms takes the pressure off their back or that's just a really comfortable way for them to stand or sit? So it's not about um, making these really quick judgments. It's more about paying exquisite attention to the person you're in conversation with and notice things about them and be have an open mind about it instead of saying, oh, arms crossed means this or, you know, sitting straight means that or leaning back in your chair means that. You really have to cal- calibrate to the person that you're in conversation with. Right. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Nikki Rausch, who's the founder of Sales Maven. And let, let's take that back to me. So, I mean, it's great for me to go, I understand NLP, and I'm going to look outward at the person that I'm communicating with. Let's, let's target it back to myself. So someone who understands NLP, you need to understand when you show up somewhere, what are you putting off, right? What are the vibes that you're creating? And so how do you help people understand that? I love that question. You know, I'll I'll share with you a little example from my own life. So one of the things I've learned about myself in the last uh, studying NLP is I'm a high kinesthetic. And a high kinesthetic is somebody who learns by doing. And one of the traits of a high kinesthetic is you tend to talk with your hands a lot. My hands, when I'm just showing up and being me in a room, my hands are going like crazy. And for somebody who's a high visual, if I'm trying to interact with somebody who has a high visual learning style, that can be extremely distracting. And so one of the things I had to learn about myself is pay attention to how I'm showing up in the room and learn to put my hands down at my sides when I'm talking because otherwise people start to pay attention to my hands instead of paying attention to what I'm saying or be in conversation with me. So that's a great point of what are you doing when you show up in the room that can be distracting or can take away from your message. Right. And, you know, your facial expressions and are you smiling? And, of course, I, you know, you and I, we're, you know, we're obviously out there a lot networking. And so we, you know, when you understand kind of NLP, you become an observer of people. And so yeah. I, I love to observe, but also you have to as we've just mentioned, you know, bring it back to yourself. When you show up into a room, how are you showing up? And so that that first impression, talk about that very quickly. So first impressions are key. You know, a lot happens in a very short time period when you meet somebody. They're making judgments about you. You know, they're making judgments about your um your ethnic background, your heritage, your educational level, your successfulness, your moral character. I mean, all of these things are going through people's mind. And so one of the one of the things I think is important, because you mentioned smiling versus a more neutral facial expression, when you want to be seen as approachable and friendly, it's useful to have a smile on your face. Yet when you're talking about who you are, what you know, and what you do, if you want to be seen as more credible, it's actually it's more important to have a more neutral facial expression. And so learning how, with just in the first two minutes, how you can make adjustments to your facial expression, whether it be that you let your face relax when you're talking about things that are building on your credibility, or when you use that smile, that friendliness to invite people in to build some relationship. All right. 
to make them feel comfortable? And also, how do you demonstrate being curious about another person? Now, when you're meeting somebody for the first time, again, they're making judgments about you. And if you walk in the room and think, or send them a message, like, it's all about me, people will shut down. It's got to be about them. They're much more interested in you being interested in them. <laughs> and so one of the things you can do is show some, show some curiosity and demonstrate that in your body language. One of the things you can do is just tilt your head a little bit or um, shift your weight to one side. That's a good way to demonstrate physically, I'm curious, I'm interested. Right. Well, those are awesome tips. And we have to go to break. We come back. I'm going to pick up with Nikki Rausch, founder of Sales Maven. And I want to move into what makes for a champion salesperson. We'll be right back. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. I'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the Sherry Hill Show, Junk King of Reno. The great people at Junk King are amazing because the company is amazing. They send a professional truck and driver to your home so you don't have to do the heavy work. Garage cleanouts, furniture disposal, electronic recycling, yard waste, and real estate cleanouts. I love that Junk King sorts through everything they pick up to recycle or donate to local nonprofit organizations. Call the pros. Call Junk King, 888-888-JUNK. Tell them Sherry Hill sent you. Why is it that more than 60% of all the sales made in America each year are made by the top 5% of all salespeople? The real champions in selling all have and use high customer impact. One of the best ways to understand customer impact is to put yourself in the customer's shoes. Your doorbell rings. You answer it and discover it's a salesperson who wants to come in and show you a miraculous new can opener that can be yours for a super low price. You're courteous, but you quickly get rid of him. However, later that evening, an insurance salesperson keeps an appointment with you and you spend more than an hour soaking up every word she says. What's the difference? Why is it we will listen intently to everything one person says while we won't give another the time of day? Sales Maven founder and author Nikki Rausch is an award-winning sales executive with 20 years of sales experience. By combining her sales experience with her master's certification in neurolinguistic programming, Nikki teaches business professionals how to ask for a sale without being pushy or fearing rejection. These simple and powerful skills increase sales. So welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much. So I'm going to share four customer impact principles, which I'd like you to then share your own insights and experiences related to each one of these statements. So customer impact principle number one, 
we pay attention to people we believe have something important to tell us. We pay attention to people that we feel have something important to tell us. And a lot of that, t- that that's going to come from them, the person who's talking, is relating to you in some way. They're paying attention to you. Therefore, you're interested because most of us walk around and we think the whole world revolves around us. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but most of the time we think when something good happens, when something bad happens, it's somehow, how does we ask ourselves, like, how does this relate to me? So when somebody shows up in the room who has something important to tell you, it's probably probably because it's important to you. Right. Well, and the other part of that, too, is so think about it. Let's let's put ourselves in a networking environment, and we're meeting all kinds of people, and a lot of them are sales professionals, and somebody walks up to you, and the first thing they do is shove a card in your hand, and then they want to tell you all about their business. And as someone who probably is not in the market for that product or service or not really interested or had already purchased it or had a good or a bad experience with it. I mean, these are some of the things that we we have to think about when we're in sales that you have to first clarify, is this even of interest to you? The person who walks up and pushes a business card into your hand and it's and then starts into their sales presentation, starts telling you about them, about their company, about their business. You know, one of the things I teach my clients is before you ever start talking about your product or your service, you should be asking permission. And you should always start with questions. You know, if you just launch into a sales spiel about your product or your service or your company, you can alienate someone even if they have a need for what it is that you do. Because it feels to them like it's a canned presentation. And I don't know about you, but I want to work with people who are people, who show up, who are authentic. And if I feel like they're giving me this canned, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da spiel, I'm not interested. I tune out. Right. And I think most people do. Yeah. So let's move into customer impact principle number two. They're all going to tie together, but people buy for their own reasons, not for yours. People do buy for their own reasons, not yours. And one of the biggest mistakes I think salespeople make is we get so excited. You know, uh, one of the characteristics I think about salespeople is we're motivated by recognition and reward. And sometimes that means as a salesperson, and I know from my years in sales, where I was putting together contests for my sales teams and, you know, taking people on trips and, and you know, we I remember buying a client a boat one time and really fun, big rewards. And the people who show up in the room who talk about what they're going to get when you buy from them, I'm going to get to go to Mexico or I'm going to win this new cool piece of technology if you just buy from me. That is like, ugh. It's, it, it, it creates this weird dynamic and power shift between you and the client because now you're asking them essentially to do you a favor so that you can get something. And even if you do get rewards behind the scenes, that should never be a part of your sales conversation with a the client. They shouldn't know what you're going to get out of it. They should only be concerned with what they're going to get out of it. What problem are you going to solve? What solution are you going to offer? How is their life going to be better from your product or service? Right. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Nikki Rausch 
who is the sales maven founder. We're talking about now customer impact principle number three. People do not want to be sold. They want to buy. When people feel like they're being sold, it's almost as if they're like something something's getting by them or they're being taken, you know, taken for a ride in some way. And and it can kind of feel like they're not in control. So people want to buy because they want to be in control. It should be their decision. And so when it feels like they're being pushed or pulled in any way, chances are you're damaging the rapport, you're damaging the relationship. And, and even if you get that sale, you'll probably never get repeat business from that person. Right. Well, and that's, you know, the whole statement of buyer's remorse because people, you know, basically will think about it after the fact and then they come back and they're not sure. They have a whole bunch more questions and you can hear it because they're just not as sure about their decision. Yes. And it starts to, again, it's, it's uh, anytime they start to question, did I make a good decision, they're going to feel in some way that you took advantage of them. If they're questioning their decision, they're probably not going to feel like, oh, gosh, I wish I had done something different. They're going to go, why did the salesperson take advantage of me? Right. Right, and then they want their money back, or they don't offer yeah. referrals, or, you know, again, it's it's damage to the relationship. Yeah, or they take to social media or and let people know, like, don't buy from this person. This person, you know, doesn't care about me, doesn't care about you. I mean, that's the last thing you want to do. I personally feel like your reputation is, it, it can it can serve you the rest of your sales career and the rest of your career period based on your reputation. So your reputation should be one where customers rave about the service, about you, about the relationship. Correct. All right. Customer impact principle number four. Buying is basically an emotional response. It is an emotional response. You know, we, I don't know about you, but I know when I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy with some product or some service that I got, it's, it's like a high for me. It feels, I feel like I'm on top of the world when I've gotten a good deal or I've gotten something that really serves me in some way, makes me happy, uh, whatever it is. And so it is emotional. You know, it's, if you go out and spend money on something and, and you have a zero, it, it doesn't move the needle in any way for you. Chances are you're going to set it aside. You're not going to use it. You're not going to refer people to that product or service. Yeah, it is emotional. Right. Well, and as one of the things I teach in my business planning class is the, you know, emotional hot buttons. So we as consumers, we might be buying a particular product or utilizing a service because of the logical side of here's what it's going to do for me. But there's really a whole bunch of emotion behind it that is talking about here's really why I'm doing this. Is it to make me prettier, happier, younger, more successful? You know all that I'm talking about. And Yeah, make me look good. People are going to go, wow, look at you. Look what you've got going on. Yeah. Yes. And so as a, you know, champion salesperson, really understanding the, here's what somebody wants, 
or what they actually need, but here's why they really want it is to be able to um, ask those important questions to really drill down to figure out why are you making this buying decision? Yes, and you need to know what, you know, I always say you've got to start with questions. One, I tell my clients always to ask is what's important to you? What's important to you in the product or service that we're talking about or what's important to you in this particular solution? And then the follow-up question sometimes, um, which there's, there's a way to ask it, but this is the question itself, is what will having that do for you? That's where you get to the heart of the matter with people is what will having that do for you? And then they start going, well, gosh, my life's going to be better. I'm going to have more time or I'm going to feel better. I've got more energy, whatever it is. Absolutely. And that's part of, you know, getting to know someone and creating a relationship. I mean, sales has changed. It's it's not the old, I have a product, I'm the only, you know, maybe me and another competitor. It really comes down to who do I want to do business with and is this salesperson part of that solution? So people are looking to the salesperson as that connection, that solution is not just about the product or the service. No, because you can get the product or service, chances are you can get it from anywhere else. You know, if I don't want to deal with people, I buy from Amazon. But when I want to I want to have a relationship with somebody, I'm going to buy from somebody that I have built some rapport with. And really, let me rephrase that, someone who has built rapport with me. I'm happy to give my money to somebody who cares about the relationship, who I feel is somewhat invested in some way in our relationship. I will happily, and I'll pay more for that too, to have that relationship than if I can just go order something off of Amazon. I'm going to come back with guest Nikki Rausch, who's the sales maven, and we're going to talk about the five ways you are sabotaging your sales. This is Artie Coppice, founder and president of Coppice Consulting. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she supports and educates business owners. Sherry Hill is a dynamic personality. Thank you, Sherry. Is it that time of year to make an appointment? Are you in the market for a mammogram? Instead of a mammogram, why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram? Thermograms are the modern, safe alternative to a mammogram. By mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present, a very early detection can be noted and addressed. This breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast. And best of all, it is painless, does not involve any breast compression, no physical contact, and no radiation exposure. A certified medical trained specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today, 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com. Wow, I'm so excited. Phil Johncock, Stop by the studio today so we could talk about the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, our conference that's coming to Reno November 5th and 6th at the Atlantis Resort and Casino. So, Phil, you and I are both involved with the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. You're the executive director, and I sit on the board, and we really 
are passionate about educating nonprofits. So let's talk a little bit about what people can expect if they go to this conference. Well, the first thing that they can expect right off the top is they're going to have networking opportunities to meet other people like themselves. It's uh, it's great if you're whatever role you play with your nonprofit, whether you're a staff person, a board member, or even a volunteer, you can meet others like you in the community. You're going to meet some of the top trainers around the country that will be here for the event. We have exhibitors who've got all kind of great food, and it's just a wonderful opportunity to get top-notch training in two days, jam-packed. Right, and, and really our goal this time around with this conference is everybody's going to walk out with actual action steps, a strategic plan, and we do a very cool wrap-up. So let's talk about that. The wrap-up is awesome. It's it's where we get together people that are left after the event. Some like to sneak out early, but the ones who stick around say that's one of the best parts of the whole event because we, we ask people, what did you really learn that you can put into action when you go back to the office? So we, we help people create an action plan they get a, a template that they can use, and they so they go over and share with other people in the group what they learned, insights that they really want to to put into place when they go back into the office. Right, and we have two distinct tracks. So what we find is that most nonprofits send two to four members of their team because half sit in one track and half sit in the other, and now you have a well-rounded education after this conference. Right, and it's a full day of every track so that you start and before in the past where we've if you've been to an and conference we've we've had a variety of different workshops and you can pick and choose and sometimes you could jump around from track to track but this is a track that you want to stay with those people from the beginning to the end you're going to have different presenters you're going to have different parts of each, every topic so like you said there's going to be takeaways and that's really exciting because uh, that's what the participants have told us that they want for these events is they want to take something back to their office. So you've got your action plan, but you also have got some real concrete takeaways from every workshop. So Phil, because we have these great tracks, I mean, this really applies whether you're a new nonprofit or well-established. Correct. And the new ones, there are specific tracks for them because if you're a new nonprofit just starting out, you've got different needs. You know, you're, you're probably going to want to, you're setting up your board, you're probably creating your strategic plan. And some organizations that have been around for a while and maybe larger ones have different needs. So we've got different tracks for different sizes of organization as well as young or old. Right. So we're encouraging anyone that's committed to learning the vital skills to successfully motivate, lead, think, create, and master the big picture in a highly interactive setting taught exclusively in this hands-on two-day conference, then Phil, we want them to register at what web address? Uh, renoconference.org. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you there, and I know that we're just going to learn a ton. Very excited, and we want all nonprofits in the state to show up and participate. Absolutely. My guest today, Nikki Rausch, Sales Maven founder, is an award-winning sales executive and manager, along with being an author, speaker, and sales trainer. During her almost 20 years sales career, she has gained extensive knowledge about the art of conducting business successfully and developing effective interpersonal communications. 
Well, welcome, Nikki. Hailing from Thank you so much. yeah, hailing from Washington. So uh, love it up there, and glad you could join me. Thank you. I'm ha- I'm happy to be on the show, and I'm also happy to be in Washington doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Nikki, you offer some great resources on your website, which is yoursalesmaven.com. And one that I found interesting, which I'd like you to talk about, is five ways you are sabotaging your sales. So what does you find out there that most people don't realize they're doing, yet it's not helping them in the sales process? Okay, so the first one is that they don't ask questions. And... You know, you can know everything you know about your product or your field of study, whatever it is. And if you don't ask questions, you may take take it down a path that is not interesting to your client, even though they may actually want to buy your product or service. But because you don't touch on the things that are important to them, because you just start into your spiel without asking them what's important to you or what do you what what are you looking to learn today or what can I focus on? You, you may talk about the wrong thing or focus on the wrong area. You focus on the things you like about your product or your service instead of the things that really are going to mean something to the client. So that's the number one. Right. And as we mentioned in the last segment, you know, the buying process is really an emotional process. And so I'm going to guess in a lot of your training and when you work with these, you know, business owners or or organizations that you go in and do sales training for, this is probably one of those areas that you see a lot. They might ask a few questions, but they're not asking enough questions. And they're not paying close enough attention to the answers to those questions so that when they come back with with a proposal or they come back with a solution, they don't talk about how it related to the answers that they got from the questions. So again, they completely miss the mark as to how somebody wants to be sold to. The prospect or the lead or the client, they may ask a a question that you feel is completely off the wall, but really for them it's not. If I only have canned remarks or this is the way we're going to answer this question every time, it doesn't allow that flexibility to come back and really be able to, not in an offensive or in, in, you know, like an interrogation, but to just really get down to the heart, the emotion of what is this product or service? What are you trying to accomplish? What do you need it for? when it is conversation, it also feels like we're building a relationship at the same time. We're building rapport. And so people feel like they can ask these off the wall that may feel like an off the wall question. And if you don't leave time and space for them to ask that question, even if it is off the wall, they will stop listening to you because they'll be so caught up in what will they say about this? Should I ask this? And and it's like their mind will start to race around the question and they can no longer pay attention to what you're even saying. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Nikki Rausch, who is the founder of Sales Maven. And we're talking about the five ways you sabotage your sales. And so the third way is telling them what you can't do. It's probably my biggest pet peeve about salespeople and about anybody who interacts with clients and customers. And it's a really common, I think, language pattern in our society. Somebody calls up and they say, you know, it really 
be interested in um, finding out more about your product. Can you come out and do a demonstration? And the salesperson starts down this road of, well, I'm, bu- I'm booked all day today and I'm, I'm busy tomorrow and then I'm on vacation for a couple days. Well, then, of course, it's the weekend and then we start down this, like, filling in all this information about what we can't do instead of just tell your client what you can do. Absolutely, I'd be happy to come out and do that demonstration. How about Wednesday at 10 o'clock? Be succinct and be specific and leave off all of this extra stuff of what we cannot do. Well, we see this in the retail world all the time. They make it harder and harder for us to give them our money. And I always find it fascinating, but I never hold the the salesperson, especially if they're younger, accountable for that. I hold management responsible and accountable for every time somebody tells me, we don't have it, we don't know where it is, we can't do this, that's not our policy. You know, there is something about working with people that have some type of Um, Even if you don't have the ability to make all these decisions, yet you're in a position to interact with a client, instead of saying, you know, I I can't do that, I'm not authorized to that, you know, all these little kind of, it sounds like excuses, really. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, giving credit where credit is due, sometimes it is true. They, They really can't do those things. Yet at the same time, you can switch your language a little bit and tell the client what you can do. Instead of talking about it's not our policy, blah, 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 then tell them what your policy is. At least do that. Right. Our policy is blah, 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 you know, and now, and then, you know, so, so how do you think we can find a solution that's going to fit the policy and also make you happy? You, you know, you can turn that a little bit back instead of like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not authorized or it, it's, um, I always say it's a really great way to muddy the waters right? when you right. tell people what you can't do. Yes. The fourth way is telling them how you benefit from the sale. The salespeople who show up in the room who are like, please buy from me because I'm going to get this recognition or this award or this trip or this whatever. Or, you know, the other kind of little caveat to this is sometimes in our language patterns, we use the word I and me constantly. And when you're selling to somebody, you should be using words like you and how it's going to impact them. (laughs) It shouldn't be about me or I. Right. (laughs) Yes, I get that. The fifth way is selling past the close. Yes, this is that dreaded salespeople who don't know when to be quiet and wait. (laughs) And a lot of times what can happen is as soon as you've given your pricing, as soon as you've invited somebody to do business with you, and maybe you've asked them a conditional close question, whatever that is, that's that time when your job really is to be quiet. And I always say silence is really an advanced selling skill and being comfortable with silence. And it takes effort because it can feel like, oh my gosh, they haven't said anything for 20 minutes. And really it's been like 10 seconds. Right. (laughs) But if you just wait and let the client tell you what they want to do next, chances are they're going to reach for their credit card or they're going to say yes, whatever the next step is. 
But if you keep talking, you can talk yourself right out of the sale. Right. Well, that's that's one of the great techniques in effective negotiating is silence is golden, right? So yeah. whether it's selling or negotiating, which, you know, they're all kind of wrapped together, that, you know, really understanding the importance of not having to fill that silence and then you end up hurting yourself all the way around. So you, as someone who is a sales trainer, you work with organizations, I mean, these must be some of the things that you look at when you initially are engaged with a company. What are the salespeople doing? Uh, Because you must be brought in, not always just because there's a problem, but also we want to be better at what we're doing. And so I would think these five ways of sabotaging your sales is kind of where you have to start and find out what it is that they're doing. Yeah, and a lot of times it comes down to even people who've been in sales for 20-some years, and, and I think now I'm at my 22nd year mark, I still can learn. We're all learning. And so when you can help people look at something from a slightly different view or maybe remind them of something, and a lot of times what I get when I do corporate sales trainings, one of the common um, comments that I'll get from people who've been in sales for 20-plus years is they'll say, you know, I thought I knew that, and I kind of forgot, and I'm not doing it. So it's about bringing it back into awareness of how to really be succinct, how to pay close attention to your clients, and how to let go of these little bad habits that we develop over time. Yes. Well, that's awesome. And if somebody's interested in reaching out to you, your website and contact information. My website is YourSalesMaven.com. So Y-O-U-R and then Sales Maven, M-A-V-E-N.com. Anybody's welcome to reach out to me. And, of course, you can reach me. My phone number is 360-509-6399. And I'd be happy to talk to anybody who has questions about their sales team or about their own sales or their own process of selling. Awesome. When we come back, we're going to pick up on this awesome conversation all around sales. This is Nikki Roush, author, speaker, and sales trainer at Sales Maven from Puyallup, Washington. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she's making a positive impact on businesses today. Sherry Hill is smart and savvy. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Hello, this is Robert Kushner from the Tahoe Business Expo. I'm on the Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk. This will be an exciting radio show that you won't want to miss. 
Sales maven founder Nikki Rausch works with solopreneurs and small business owners that are passionate about their product and service and want additional skills to build rapport with potential clients, as well as how to ask for the sale without feeling pushy or fearing rejection. She offers one-to-one mentoring sessions, team sales training, as well as customer experience assessments. And I had the pleasure of listening to Nikki. She was a presenter down at our eWomen Network event a couple of months ago. And just really love the fact that, you know, she focuses on sales and, you know, that matters, especially today. So, Nikki, let's talk about, you know, the... We've been talking a lot about, you know, how to build rapport, how to really understand, you know, NLP side of you as an individual and how you show up in a room. But let's let's focus a little bit on we're in the sales process. I'm sitting with a potential client. They haven't totally uh, committed to me or my product or my company. Um, so how do I, as a sales professional, really understand, you know, what what are those buying signals I should be paying attention to? Well, buying signals are probably the number one thing that I teach my clients. And by learning how to recognize a buying signal and then what to say when you get one is um, – is what I hear from most of my clients. It's like the thing that makes the most immediate impact in their business. And what's happening is a lot of times we're missing the buying signals because they're not always super obvious. And that can be because sometimes your client isn't even sure how to phrase, like, I'm ready to work with you or I'm ready for us to move forward in some way. And this isn't always, these don't always show up. This is an important part here. These don't always show up when you're sitting across from a prospective client. Buying signals are coming at you from all different kinds of people and sometimes places where you least expect it. You know, uh, it could be when you're getting your hair done or when you're out, you know, at a friend's party, you might run into somebody who gives you a potential buying signal. And if you miss it, chances are you won't earn their business. So you want to really start to pay attention. So, well, give me give me an example of what what is a buying signal. I mean, is it just there? I mean, I look for, um, this is a joke, but, you know, they reach to get their wallet, right? Or a lot of... <laughs> When I have great relationships with my clients, you know, they'll always say, oh, I need to come in and chat with you. What do I need to bring? And it's like, well, you need to bring this and you need to bring your credit card. So, you know, but I have built that rapport with them long enough Mm -hmm. to be able to say that. I certainly wouldn't say that to someone I just met. Yes. So I'll share with you one of the probably most overlooked buying signal, and I hear this a lot because, as you mentioned, I'm a part of you in the network, and I'm actually a part of three other networking groups. So I do a lot of networking, and I hear these all the time, and people never ask for the sale, and this is the buying signal. People who make positive comments to you about your business, about your product, about your service, it's a potential buying signal, and you need to do something with it. So when somebody comes up to you and they say, Sherry, oh my gosh, I heard that you interviewed Nikki last week and she was just raving about you and all that you know about business, that's a positive comment 
And if you just say, thank you, you've missed the buying signal. Now, if you say, thank you, I so appreciate that. Now, is there something that I might be able to help you with? Now you have invited them to do business with you. And so you've moved the relationship from just having this casual conversation or just a potential like positive comment and letting it just hang out there to possibly doing business together. Here's what I hear all the time. So somebody referred business to me. And before that person picked up the phone to call to make an appointment, they already went out to the website, maybe they listened to a radio show. They definitely have done their research and due diligence to find out if I'm worth that referral. One of the questions I ask my clients is, what do you already know about my services? So you might check and see, what do they know? Because they might go, well, I've been on your website, I know this, I know that, and you go, great. You know, what additional questions do you have for me? And they're like, well, you know, how much do you charge? Because sometimes that happens. And now that seems like, I hope you're saying like, duh, Nikki, that's obviously a buying signal. And it is. But here's the piece that a lot of people fall down on is they say, you know, my fee is $5,000. And then you just leave it. But what you're, what I want you to say instead is my fee is $5,000. Should we go ahead and, and schedule a time to work together? Because that's taking that signal and then moving it forward. Because if somebody's asking about pricing, gosh, that is a huge buying signal. And you need to issue the invitation to do business with you. If I say, well, my fee is $5,000. Now, is this something that, should we go ahead and schedule a time to work together? And they go like, oh, wow, wow. You know, so now I know what to do here. I need to check out and find out what's going on for them. Are they surprised by that fee? Or are they thinking that, you know, they need a payment plan. Like, what's going on? But now I've got some, some stuff to work with versus just saying it's $5,000 and they say, thank you, and hang up. I don't want to let that go. So I need to at least issue the invitation. And this is another buying signal that a lot of my clients want to debate with me until they realize where I'm going with this is they'll say, well, I, you know, I need to get this approved through my boss or I need to talk to my significant other or I need to talk to my business partner or whoever else. So it's always that like, oh, I've got to talk to someone else. And one of the things my clients always go, now I've lost their business. And I go, not necessarily. This is the time when you say, great, go ahead and have that conversation. When do you think you'll talk to them? Now let's go ahead and get a a time scheduled for us to circle back on this and close the loop. Are you available next Wednesday at 10? Because if you just wait for them to go and talk to their partner or their boss or whoever, and you don't schedule a follow-up time, the chance of you getting them back on the, the phone or back in person, pretty slim because people get busy and they also forget. As soon as they are done with the conversation with you, their their interest starts to fall off a little bit because they're bombarded with so many other things. I see this in my business and have for years. I mean, people call me up, they're, you know, thinking about starting a business. They're not ready to start right now. So I just look at it as planting seeds. And mm -hmm. I know that I have to plant a lot of seeds out there. And I'll hear from people. I mean, literally, I read your book, Sherry, 12 years ago. And now I'm ready to do something. 
from a sales perspective, you have to understand that a lot of this is really planting a lot of seeds, but you have to have that back end, that follow-up as you're suggesting to make sure that they just don't lose interest and then you, you don't become top of mind. One of the things I teach, and, and this is something from all of my years of selling, you know, multi-million dollar deals, is I get told no. I still get told no from time to time. And when somebody tells me no, this is what I hear. I hear not yet. I just hear not yet in my head. Every time someone tells me no, I think not yet. So it means that there's more work for me to do. I've got to keep in touch with them in some way or I haven't met their needs, or I haven't solved their problem. And sometimes it's about time, like you say. Somebody says, Sherry, I read your book 12 years ago, and now I'm ready to work with you. Fantastic, because in some way, there had to have been some connection over the 12 years, so they didn't just read your book and forget. You know, when someone says no, it's not personal. No. <laughs> I had a friend say to me not too long ago, she said, you know, the thing that makes you so good at sales, Nikki, is that you're so good with rejection. And it literally took my breath away and stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, wait, what? People are rejecting me? I had no idea. And I said, you know, tell me a little bit more about that. She's like, you know, people tell you no. And I go, oh, you think when people tell me no, they're rejecting me? Uh Uh-uh. Not at all. You know, it's just like when you go out to a restaurant and you have a really delicious meal and the waiter or waitress comes over and says, you know, here's our dessert menu. Would you like some dessert? And you say, gosh, I'm so full. Are you rejecting the waiter or the waitress? Absolutely not. It's just a no for now. Maybe you'll come back and have dessert later a different time or you're just happy with what you have right now. As a sales professional, we could have been super great at sales for a long time, but it's like any other personal development skill. We must continually learn. We must sharpen the saw. We must do those things that really help us understand how the buying process has changed, how people have literally changed through that (laughs) buying process. And so it's important that people like you exist. Nikki, who is the founder of Sales Maven. I would encourage you to go out to her website. She has lots of great resources. She wrote this great book, Six Word Lessons on Influence with Grace. And so, Nikki, anyone interested in working directly with you or learning more about how you can help their organization increase sales, what's a great phone number to reach you? Area code 360 Six three nine nine. Go check out her website, YourSalesMaven.com. Again, she's got some free downloads and certainly a, an awesome little blog. And she does go out and do presentations around the country. So, Nikki, I hope that our paths will cross again soon. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for The Sherry Hill Show.